Welcome back to the shed, everybody. This is episode 78, just like the old platters, and it's coming at you at about that speed, too. It may not seem like it now in our calm, collected trove, but the pace will pick up. You'll hear, I don't even know what you'll hear. We've got a list this week, but I honestly don't really know what's on it. We should introduce ourselves because that's always good to do at the beginning of a show. So who are we? I'm PJ. I'm KJ. I'm RJ. So RJ is not even paying attention as he gives his intro. He's not invested. You'll be able to hear that lackadaisical disinterest as the episode progresses, but you'll forgive him for it because, you know. I'm bad Janet. That's what you do. He's bad Janet. So here we go. In the good place, there's two cyborgs and one of them's good Janet. One of them is bad Janet. Bad Janet's constantly looking at her cell phone and looking disinterested in whatever you have to say. In, in, in the, the Good Place? Yes. TV yeah. series. Network TV, half an hour show with Ted Danson. Oh. And uh, Kristen Bell. Basic idea in The Good Place is that they've gone to heaven. Show opens with Kristen Bell getting in the welcoming room, in, you know, and Ted Danson explaining to her how heaven works. Oh. It's called The Good Place, as opposed to Heaven. They don't use the word Heaven there. Is it fun? It's a fun show, yeah. She keeps trying to swear, and she goes, what the fork is going on here? And she's, what What did I just say? <laughs> because you can't swear in Heaven. So there's lots of what the fork, and <laughs> it's quite funny. How is the new season? Like, I watched the first season. It was pretty good, but it was one of those things where you can feel it spiraling towards the ground, you know, like... The newest season, in my opinion, isn't quite as good, but I enjoy shows when I binge them more. So I've been watching this every week when it comes out, I watch the next episode Mm. and I, I I tend to like binging more because my mind is more aware of all the nuances because I just watched the previous episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's good enough. I'm still watching the newest season. I think it's quite good, but it is a show about philosophy as well. Sort of. Yeah. And so there's, well, sort of, it's like no end of discussion of what Kant and Hegel and Hume said and free will versus determinism and paradoxes and all kinds of stuff like that is brought up. But it's all if, uh, listeners, if you've taken entry level philosophy at university, then that kind of elevates your enjoyment of the good place, but it's an excellent show. Well, I haven't, and I enjoyed it anyway. So I got a, what old mechanics do item in here. Go for it. So the first question panel, and I think I already know the answer to this. So KJ, let's ask RJ to respond first to this. Because <laughs> I'm not Cause I much think, of a mechanic. I think you might not know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, guys know what bars leaks is? Say it again. Bars leaks. I do. KJ I do does. I do not okay. know what bars are. In the days of my earlier youth, I had cars that would occasionally leak in the radiator as we covered. And one of the cures back in the day was to take this stuff called bars leaks and dump it right in the radiator with the engine running and the circulation would bring that stuff to the leak and it would plug the leak. Okay. Of course, the reputation was it also plugged everything else in your radiator. It must be pretty gummy stuff. And your water pump and everything else. Didn't it look like little uh, uh, rabbit food pellets? Yeah, little pellets, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And little brown Quick stuff. dissolve. Guaranteed. So <laughs> I bought my current... <laughs> Suzuki last April, 4,500 bones this summer. No, no, actually, no, this winter drive along could not defog the windows to save my damn life. Just couldn't. It turned out that the heater core was leaking. So 
those of you who don't know how your car is heated, there's a little mini radiator inside the passenger compartment with you and air is blown across that thing. And that's what provides heat inside your car. Mm-hmm. Well, that thing started leaking in my car. What did I do? Two cans of Rislone, which is the same stuff as bars leak. You're only supposed to put one can ever in. Two full. Worked like a charm. Still get and heat. And is this, this is a, in the mini radiator? Yeah, it goes right into your heater core. You just run the whole thing. You just open up the heat full blast. You run the motor for a little bit. You oh, dump this so, crap in. It circulates all over so the So the condensation was because it was leaking. Yeah, it was. And I was it, having antifreeze come into the passenger compartment. I just could not. You couldn't defrost anything. You could run the heat and the air conditioning as hard as you wanted. I was driving along Highway 1 coming back from dinner one evening, and I was looking through about a four-inch strip of windshield <laughs> at the bottom. Angie thought it was really funny, sort of. You know, one of those where you're laughing because you think you might be going to die. You know, yeah, one of those. because that can't be good for your health either. It, probably not. No, it smells kind of sweet, like lemons in here. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's what old mechanics do. They put in bars leaks. I ask guys at work. I work at a car dealership, and of those five service representatives that sit in the front and advise customers on stuff, only one had any idea what the hell bars leaks even was, right? The other guy's never even heard of it because what you're supposed to do is pay 1200 bucks to have that thing pulled out and replaced because the new part's 400 and the labor's about eight. Right. Yeah. Now, if bars leaks went bad, if you put too much in, it could gum other stuff up. You're yeah, saying, you're not. There's the reason you're not supposed to put it in because it screws up your water pump and all kinds of stuff. Right. And, but I once replaced a heater core in a car. That's not a job. That's no country for old men. Mm-hmm. That job is because you've got to contort yourself all inside up and down to get underneath your dashboard facing up. You got to take half your dashboard out. You got to put your hands in places where you can't see what they're doing. You yeah, know? And it, it never occurred to me in all these years of running heaters that it was a mini radiator. Yeah. Like and I understood that the hot water would circulate through. Yeah. But of course it needs to be something like a radiator yeah. to get the heat out of it. Right? Yeah. And all that little switch, when you turn on the heat, all you're doing is opening a valve, allowing That's right. fluid into The further into that you core. move that bar, yeah. the physical bar, yeah. you're just turning yeah. water on and off. But it's a crap, down. it's a crap job to do. And so I just thought, and I didn't want to spend that kind of money and I just got the car. So, so now users out there, listeners out there, sorry. Don't tell your friends, because I think I'm going to unload that car one of these days <laughs> and replace it with a Japanese car that's still sold in Canada. I think that seems more prudent. So don't tell everybody that it's had two cans worth of basically bars leaks dumped into it. doesn't it. seem to be causing any problems. Nope. Never does that, until it does. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought the problems would show up or they wouldn't. And, kind and of. And it's kind not of. like two years down the road yeah. that they would show up. And my past experience with that stuff has never really did cause me any problems. I used it more than more than a couple of times. Mm. Uh, it does work like a hot dam. It has that potential to cut down on the cooling ability that your radiator can offer. Okay. Because it plugs off sometimes whole bits of the core, you know? Oh, right, right. But, you know, it's a small pr- price to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Does it coat the innards? I caught only Does it cause arteriosclerosis? <laughs> I always think, yeah, radiator, radiator sclerosis. I always think of it as analogous to, you know, the, the stuff you used to inject into your car tires when they'd get a flat? Yeah, I've you never ever used that, that, but I, I know about it. God, if you, have you not... You've just been living a charmed life. 
Well, I just assume that stuff's a gimmick and therefore does it actually work? Oh, it works. Works like an amp, man. I've used that on a bunch of occasions in my earlier youth as well. And when you've done that and then you bring your car to get new tires put on it, the guys at the tire shop really hate your guts. Oh, because... Because that stuff, it gets, it's everywhere in there, right? What it does is when you stick that into your car, it just, into your tire... It just coats the entire inside of your yeah. tire with that. Yeah, yeah. This stinky, smelly, sticky crap. Mm. And is it like an expanding foam? No, it's more like a latex, sort of a slime that goes all oh, over everything. Oh, okay. And a it emits some kind of chemically stuff as it cures, of course. So when you take the tire off, there's kind of the stuff, and there's the smell, and it's just yeah. they hate you for using it. And I suspect. That if I ever take that Suzuki in to have that core replaced, some guy is going to come out of a back room wiping his hands on a cloth and say, you got some pretty big problems there. Somebody's dumped two cans worth of bars leaks into this thing. You got a pinhole sized flow going through there. So I don't want that to be me. I'll try to get rid of that car before that happens. But don't tell anybody. All right. So there was that. RJ, you got diehard in here. Is this Die Hard with Bruce Willis? Is yes, that? yes, absolutely Die Hard. So this is your Christmas viewing? Yeah, was it? it is. And I know, I know that we're kind of, uh, especially given the lag between recording and publishing, that it's well past the Christmas season here. But man, I like watching Die Hard at Christmas time. Is that a recent, not just for you, but for the world? Like this year is the first time I've come to recognize or hear that Die Hard is a Christmas thing. That's right. Like I think about two years ago, you would see articles or debates about, is this truly a Christmas movie? And now I think it's, the answer is yes, it's absolutely a Christmas movie. And when you watch it with that in mind, it's fun to watch because you go, wow, they, oh, the whole soundtrack is Christmas music all the time. Oh yeah, they're doing a lot of uh, Ode to Joy, a lot of Beethoven's Ninth, little sleigh bells popping up here and there. When Bruce first wants to send a message to the building kidnapper guys, he kills one of the bad guys and wraps him in a Christmas kind of sweater and puts (laughs) a Christmas hat on the guy. And then writes on the chest of the person, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> right? And of course, of course, the bad guy, Groover, played by who? Don't know. Professor Snape. Oh. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, wow. Alan Rickman in an absolutely excellent role. Uh, he reads that out. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> pretty good rj does it great (laughs) oh my god that is such an excellent movie you watch that movie and you go is it just a chintzy stupid action movie like a million that have been made especially in that era because it's actually not a very new movie anymore no huge huge production values and thought timing (laughs) dialogue humor (laughs) like it's just an awesome movie and I'm just going <laughs> to beg people next year. I'm going to say, come on, you got to watch it with me. Come on. Because, you know, I try a little bit and people oh. say, yeah, well, maybe next year. But uh, I'm just, I'm also Listeners, laughing. maybe I'll host a party. And yeah. You can all come yeah. over. We're going to watch Die Hard together because it's great. I'm laughing at, it's not, it's, it's not a very new movie. Wasn't that made in like 1990? Isn't it like it's, about 25, 30 years old? I think it's in the 80s. 
it's even older than that. And you say, it's not a very new movie. Yes, that's uh, right. No. Anything made after 79 to me feels a little bit newish. It's so. still contemporary. Is that right? Yeah, contemporary. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. That a boy. Highly recommended. You also need to tell us in here, uh, we're switching gears rapidly. We're just moving through here. This, this podcast is like a freight train. It's unstoppable. What is this headla- headphone hooks? Headphone hooks. Let me do uh, first time listening videos first. That's uh, up the list of ways. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you got it. You're just, this is the RJ episode. Okay. First time listening. Not so really. this item says first time listening in quotes videos. So do tell what. Yeah. You guys know. You, you, I don't know. You, you know, you know, but you know, YouTube, both of you spend some time on YouTube. Yes. I'm going to guess our listeners spend some time on YouTube. And what you notice is that once you watch a certain type of video, it starts recommending. First of all, it recommends the same damn video to you again over and over. Come on, really? But similar videos. And anyway, somewhere along the ways, maybe I watched a Pink Floyd video. I must have watched just Pink Floyd, just Dark Side of the Moon. I don't know what I watched. Next thing you know, I start seeing these first-time listening videos. So there are people, they're typically young, almost every single one of them are black, but not always. I know what you're talking about. And they've never heard Dark Side of the Moon before. They've never heard maybe time. Fleetwood Mac rumors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they sit there and they listen to it and you just watch them react to it. You think, how boring is that, right? Well, first of all, actually it's not too boring because... It's usually amazingly good music. You don't watch it unless you think the music's amazingly good. So you got your Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, parts one, two, and three. So that was that 10 minutes worth of music or something. And a couple is listening to it. And they comment all the way through. And of course, once you've watched one of these, all of a sudden your feed is full of first time mm-hmm. listening videos. It's just a thing. I, I've never heard of that, but that's kind of a fun idea, except for... I'd worry about how stagey it is. So the person being recorded as they have their first listen better not be some kind of performer. Right. Yeah. It could be staged, but I don't think there's any benefit to staging it unless I suppose they've already heard that music, but these are typically hip hop age people. They probably have never heard old stuff. So you listen to these old classics and I guess I'm not sure why do you enjoy them in the first place? Like, is it because, oh, it's almost like it's the first time you've listened to it again. Because I think back, I know where I was when I heard Dark Side of the Moon first. I was at Doug Ellis's house at a party. I don't remember. And I remember just sitting down and listening to it. Uh, Anyway, so now you're all of a sudden you're experiencing that one more time. i got to check those out. But through somebody else's eyes too. I think about a year ago, they were putting them out where they'd have five kids and they're about like under 10 years old or maybe around 10 and they'd listen to like ACDC or or okay. or just some one piece of music just one song and they go oh oh I like this and there're various comments as they're going through they pop from kid to kid so that was that would have been the precursor to first time listening videos I've seen four or five of them I get the uh, I get the feeling that they never dislike the music it's always I can't believe how good, oh, 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 that voice, like Claire Torrey's voice on Dark Dark Side of the Moon, like Great Gig in the Sky, that woman that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like listening to that for the first time, it's like, holy smokes. Right. Yeah, of course, if they didn't like it, there's no video, right? 
to have I, somebody say it and go, meh. Yeah. There's no I, video. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'll it's have to just check those it's out. An I've odd just little never, cultural yeah. thing, and it's appealing. And I they typically have like at least a couple hundred thousand views, the ones that pop up. So they're doing okay in this business. Yeah, no kidding. And is that related to headphone hooks or <laughs> headphone is headphone hooks? I don't know. It's just a quick little story. I have uh, a pair of plastic hooks beside my computer chair where I can hang my headphones. Why is there a pair? because one didn't look strong enough. So I just took two of them little square hooks that come out far enough that my headphones can just sit on top of them. Just a, Do they have little adhesive on the back? A little Mac tacky kind of tape, double-sided tape on there. And then there was some, you know, our office, <laughs> I keep leaving stuff and the office gets more and more cluttered, including the floor. There's stuff, you know, and I got my man purse sitting on the floor one day and Sue picked it up and said, there, I've hung it on the doorknob. Maybe that's a good place for you to start hanging it. <laughs> I said, sure. I don't know why I was doing stuff. And the next thing I know, I hung the purse on the two hooks for the headphones. And then I put the headphones on top of that. I came back the next day and the two hooks were bent down. <laughs> yeah. <totally> overload. <laughs> I'm thinking the man purse is a way too big a challenge. Yeah, those things are supposed to hold towels, those Mac tacky hooks. Yeah, it just depends, right? And uh, yeah, that's right. And I... I'm not great mechanically and I was tired. And so I started dealing. I'm going to deal with this. It's like midnight and I'm like pulling the Mac tack off and it's not coming off very well. And then I try my razor blade and that's not working. And I got mineral oil. Well, I think it's supposed to be alcohol, but I used mineral oil and it didn't anyway. So next, after half an hour, I've cleared it off. I put some fresh Mac tack tape on. I take my two hooks and I put them in place it's great. And then I get my headphones and I realize that the hooks are all both facing downwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so now if I, if I turn my headphones around one way, I can put them on carefully and yeah. they'll stay. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> God. So and if you use them that way, cause you can't hang any kind of weight. So they're never, ever going to just fall off there ever again. Right. Those hooks. So anyway, it's just highly dissatisfying. So I tell Sue about it the next day and she has a chuckle over the whole thing. And <laughs> we get, we get some rubber bands. She's got this great idea. We get some rubber bands and we wrap them around the two hooks. Yeah. Now it makes them rubbery. So the headphones won't just slide off them. Plus the rubber bands are a little higher. So now the ends of the hooks are a little, you know. <laughs> So then I put them on there and come back the next day. The two hooks, the rubber bands, <laughs> they've collapsed <laughs> together. <laughs> Hold them back. <laughs> so I went out and got a, Holy a, a command strip hook and now it can hold 30 pounds. So I'm, <laughs> I'm good to go now. I got this way over engineered hook for my headphones. You can hang the cat off it as well. Seven bucks. Jeez, yeah. well, that's pretty, that's not bad for uh, such an unpromising subject thing. That's pretty good. Good <laughs> Lord. Um, okay. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, you also have what sounds like a bit more of a heavy duty. We've got to put on some white lab coats for this topic and uh, begin considering graphs and charts and using pointers. It's entitled Traffic Deaths in Oslo. Yeah, this is just part of a, a series in which I talk about, how, you know, how the world is getting better. It's kind of a theme. Oh, this is that. 
Pollyanna series. Exactly. 1975, 41 people died in Oslo traffic. 41? That's an outrage. 2019, one died in Oslo traffic. And so it's just an article. The article is in Norwegian. Oslo's in Norway, right? So you had to, uh, yeah, I think so. You had to learn Norwegian just for this item in our so podcast. I sent it through translate.google.com, which does a pretty decent job with Norwegian. And anyway, I mean, uh, we'll put a link to the article. And uh, in Oslo, they've largely done away. First of all, cars are way more safe. If you look at the BC statistics, way more deaths, way more casualties, or way more, way less deaths now, way less casualties, injuries, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's just because cars are way better engineered. They, you know, they have better braking by far. They have airbags everywhere you look. Airbags come out of nowhere in the cars now that you don't even <laughs> realize. Like the new Camry Hybrid's got like nine airbags, including warnings not to just stick your elbow out the window like in the old days. Because yeah. your whole arm's just going to get shot right off by the airbag. <laughs> Which you mentioned casualties and I was thinking, I wonder how many more accidental air airbag deployment casualties there yes, are. Yes, that's right. And then, and, and. They do far less harm. They protect you way yeah. more than the few times that they harm Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there, there's that. And then also in Oslo, it's very rare when the same roadway is shared by both vehicles and bikes. Because bikes and pedestrians are in Oslo were the biggest, yeah. biggest uh, injuries. So anyway, they've done a great job there. Yeah, in my little Twitter universe, one of the people I follow is this guy called Brent. Jeez, I saw the correct pronunciation for this too. Todrin. Todrin, I think, Darian, and he posts relentlessly about urban traffic and about getting rid of cars. And I believe he has posted about Oslo and the segregation of various forms of traffic, right? Mm -hmm. Like pedestrian, bicycle, vehicle, they just keep them apart. That's how you make it so people don't get killed. Mm -hmm. Oh, which reminds me, I did, a few episodes ago, we had referred to Google Trekker the backpack thing. And I had referred to the photographer that I saw on Instagram and it was, uh, Lydia Nagai, Nagai. Japanese, not Vietnamese. Cause I had the spelling wrong. It yes. was Nagai, N-A-G-A-I. Yeah. And she came back and said, thanks. Great way to go getting your voices out there on the podcast. Uh, so nice. We had an answer from her. Good. It was okay for us to shout her out on here. Well Just done, thought you again. should know. Well done. Thought you should know. We're just cruising along, continuing our headlong, headlong hurdle into interesting topic matter. This came up over our uh, post-Lucy show lunch, not Lucy as in Ricky and Lucy, Lucy as in Moby's daughter. It's Parasite. So I don't know how many listeners have seen the movie. We talked about it last episode of the episode before. We went over it some length, found it very entertaining. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about how the movie ends again, just briefly right now. So it'll take about a couple of minutes. Uh, so just skip ahead a couple of minutes if you are going to see the movie and don't want to hear this. And KJ, you were asking the movie Parasite, the Korean thing. Is there any way to maintain storyline without the violence at the end at the lawn party? So at the end of this movie, as characters emerge from their various hiding places, there's this massive conflict. The rich people who are being defrauded by the clever but poor people in the movie 
are having a lawn party, a garden party, and there's all these high-end people and they're doing the usual vacuous things that wealthy people often do, you know, spending time on their devices or arguing about the quality of the, the treats. And these people that have been providing them service and yet defrauding them and they've been hiding in the in the safe room in their house, they emerge and there's a massive conflict. People are stabbed, killed. One of the poor people's daughter is killed. And it's, it's pretty awful. And KJ's question is, could we not have come to the conclusion of the movie without all this violence? Is that right? Is that fair? Mm-hmm. And, and it was because the violence just took me right out of the movie. I, I sensed there's some tension going on. <laughs> But actually, it's it's very clever. One one of the greatest bits of tension is that is when you discover the family all getting drunk in the big house because the owners have gone camping, and they're making a mess. And you think, oh, they're going to come home from camping for sure. Somebody's going to see them through the big window, and it doesn't happen. And then the the guy, uh, the dad, in a fit of whatever sweeps the table and smashes everything on the floor like making the mess even larger and you think oh now for sure somebody's coming and then in fact somebody does come but it's somebody that you don't expect right so it's that and then of course the campers end up showing up but the way he that tension the way he builds that is really so clever man he, that guy's smart and so I thought all that violence at the end was the sort of culmination. It was the explosion of all that tension. But maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Well, no, it's just that I, I'm just not a big fan of anything horror-ish, you know, unless I know it's a spoof or something. But Well, there was no supernatural thing going on. No, no, no. But it just was too much for me. I, I don't know why. And I thought, is there not a better way? But maybe that's just me, right? That's like most people would think, oh, that's the best part of the movie. Or well, a lot of people the, would think. I don't think it was the best part of the movie. It's just, it was, to me, it was a, a reasonable climax. RJ, way in here. I just kind of was in sleepy mode through that whole movie. And I don't remember really, I had, I remember having the problem with, I don't like that kind of tension. I don't I've either. talked about this before. It's like when the person is driving and they're not looking at the road in front of them. <laughs> I'm just going either a, they're not paying the director or the actor is not paying attention to doing their job properly because a real person looks at the road or B they're trying to get me scared that they're going to get an accident and then maybe they will. I just can't stand that anyway. Mm. Yes. Yes. At those moments, like when they're sitting around there having their party and we now know that the, the family is heading home early from camping or I think we do. We don't know that yet. We don't know, it, but it's it raining really heavily. Yeah. yeah. So yes, you're starting to worry. Yeah, I can't stand that kind of tension. And whether the all the violence was necessary to carry the movie at the end. I, uh, well, even they even use a barbecue skewer with sausages on it to kill somebody. Oh, and that, then the little doggies come up and start eating the little. Yes, that's supposed to be comedy, isn't it? Like, well, is that supposed to be super dark humor? Yeah, that's. I would call that gratuitous, isn't it? I think so. I like, think. We, did we? Makes the, makes a little bit of mock of the whole thing, which which it does. That's okay. How do you stand then on Quentin Tarantino movies, which are you know they known for their violence, usually a little comic, like Pulp Fiction. You can smile throughout, but there's pretty heavy violence, right? Yeah. Well, I won't. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen Quentin Tarantino lately for so. a while. Yeah. Well, you know, 
Got to re re recommend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The fact you haven't Fun seen it in a while movie. probably speaks to how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't go probably. looking for that. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. I did get the Bourne trilogy for Christmas, and I'm quite thrilled about that. Now, that what is that? Is that th- more thriller? I mean, there's tension, and but it's not. Maybe it's because the bad guys are clearly bad. Mm, nice. Because the wealthy family, they're kind of, you can look down on them a bit. Yeah, they're sort of vacuous, but. Sort of, yeah, maybe. That's it. But they're not evil people. At least they don't seem. Right, right, right. Oh, oh. Anyway, after the violence, like it does, I think we were saying this too, it does make sense. The movie has to do that for it to move forward, right? Well, it has to have an explosion of some sort for sure. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't have to involve a skewer with sausages that are then eaten by the family dog. <laughs> I think they could. But, but that's for the humor, right? That's for, Maybe that's for the, the tension of the violence. And, and yeah, isn't, isn't life just so crazy? Like mm. it's like that. Anyway, I don't think it'll get best picture, which is, that's just me on seeing one movie. I don't think it'll get yeah. best picture. What did it get? Best ensemble at the. At the Golden Sag. Globes or the SAG? So the last one was the SAG Awards, wasn't it? I think it? the SAG Awards just came out a few days ago. And I yeah. think they gave them Best Ensemble, Acting Ensemble. And I know that because there's pictures everywhere of Brad and Jennifer, Jennifer holding hands oh, right, the backstage right, right. at the SAG Awards. Yeah. I learned a little bit about ASCAP and BMI. Do you guys know what those are? <laughs> took me, it took me a half a beat to make sure I understood ASCAP correctly, but okay, yes. No, I don't, I don't know what you learned. Yeah, I mean, well, you kind of know what, like, anybody who used to read LPs religiously, like, read every little bit, every fine bit of print, you'd you'd always see, like, ASCAP. Yeah. Usually beside each song, I think. Yeah. Or if all songs on the label, it'd be right on the record label. Yeah. uh, It would say all songs ASCAP. And ASCAP was a collective, in in essence, because of the, the huge hassle of having individual contracts with each musical band back when radio was taking off, they'd play music on radio, maybe by Bob Wills and his Texas playboys. Well, you'd have to go, what's our contract with him? How much do we pay him? No, that doesn't make sense. So they, they pretty early in radio's history, there was a collective, all the musicians would sign up for this. And then ASCAP would decide collectively, what's the rate that you charge per song played. And ASCAP, bumped their rates up. They, they actually kept bumping them up. And one time they doubled them right around 1930s or forties. And the radio station said, screw that. We're creating our own thing called BMI, the better music Institute. And we're not going to play any ASCAP artists. So all of a sudden, you know, the Carter family and a whole bunch of other old artists suddenly were no longer played on radio, just completely gone. And BMI started signing up artists, and that's the only people that get played on radio. It's quite interesting. ASCAP then negotiated a much smaller increase, and then they started getting played on radio. But if you ever see those labels... I didn't know any of that. That's BMI interesting. BMI and ASCAP, all of a sudden you, you go, well, why are there two? What, what's the difference between BMI and ASCAP? Well, they're just... Well, I never even knew what they were in general, just yeah. generally that they were a collective thing. Yeah, and I got all this information from an amazing series. It's maybe too late until next time it's on reruns. But if you can get your hands on uh, the country music series done by Ken Burns. 
No, I didn't Ken, even. Well, you know Ken Burns. I the, totally know who yeah, he is, but yeah, I didn't know he did a country music. It's a music. really cool series to watch because it starts back around, you know, 1915 with the the Carter family and some of those types of old timey acts. And uh, you learn about them where they, in the Carter family's case, they were truly from the backwoods of Virginia. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why, why is the music industry centered in Tennessee? There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. It's just really fun to watch. That's a good one. BMI and ASCAP. I didn't know that. What do we got here? Hey, I'll do this one. You've got guys mind. It's just quick. The chance to choose. Do it. Go for it. So I had dinner with my youngest daughter just the other day. She's recently got this job and it's, my understanding was it was some sort of government sponsored thing where they train you about how to enter the workforce and then they get you a job with somebody for a couple of months. And I guess the government probably pays the wage and the employer gets mostly a free resource Mm -hmm. in return for giving some kid some work experience, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm having dinner with her and I ask her, how's that job going? She said, oh yeah, I wanted to tell you it's, it turns out that this job is for troubled teens. I said, what? She said, yeah, dad, I'm an accidental troubled teen. I didn't know when I signed up for this thing, but everybody in there, but me and one other person has never worked before. It doesn't look, looks like they'd be kind of hard for them to get work. And the stuff they're teaching you in there is more along the lines of don't punch your employer as opposed to this is how you do an interview kind of thing. Oh, wow. God, I laughed. She was really, I I just thought, oh, this is hilarious. It's like three months of work, you know, minimum wage work, but whatever. And you do get the experience. I guess many of her peers are not part of her normal social strata. That's pretty good. It's pretty fun, eh? So not that there's anything funny about troubled teams per se. No, and believe me, not that I'm against offering this kind of program to people who really do. There's there's one woman in there from, I think it was Nigeria. Does Nigeria even still exist? Yes. Anyway, named Petra. And Petra has her degree in psychology from that country. And of course, she can't get work here because her English isn't great. And I don't know if her degree is recognized. She's in that program just so she can figure out how they do jobs in North America. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jen's had a couple of different jobs and she's been a good employee, gets good reviews. She's in there and there's a couple of others, you know, but there's also kids in there. Clearly, their kids, they just have no, no idea how to get a job, how to behave, how to comport themselves, basically, how to do an interview, how to write a cover letter, any of that stuff. Chance to choose. You can choose to punch your employer in the face or not. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Just a little uh, quick, quick, tasty one there. What else we got coming for upcoming episodes? Do we even know? Should we reveal to our listening audience how short the horizon really is? <laughs> Should we? I don't well, know. Cape Scott every week. <laughs> I'm going to talk still about wait, Cape Scott Still sometime. waiting for that one. You know, like I've still got, I actually had, let me see if I can set this up right. So I talked ad nauseum at length about my dietary stuff. Okay, great. Watch the Netflix thing. You know, the, what's the name of it again? Too cool for school. I can't remember. <sighs> I can't believe I can't remember it. But anyways, the Netflix program, you know, the one that's popular about going to a plant-based diet. And I suggested it to Betty from North Vancouver and she watched it. Then they altered their diet a little bit, but she then started talking to me about how she's gone down a rabbit hole on these kinds of videos. And she said, you should watch one on Netflix called Rotten. And it's about the food industry. Oh boy. And the waste. 
and all of it. And that led very quickly to one of the topics that's on our list that I've never gotten to yet, and it's Ansel Keys, who was the uh, Food and Drug Administration guy, or whatever the equivalent was back in the late 50s. He was the guy who was uh, really deeply involved in promoting the idea that fat was very harmful, fat in all its forms was very harmful. But you know what? That sugar, that darn sugar, that's pretty good for you. That's yeah. kind of harmless, makes you feel all peppy. And there's just an enormous 50-year impact in terms of obesity and all kinds of problems that have mm-hmm. stemmed from diabetes, all of that, and stemmed from that government agency basically being instrumental in the follow in a founding of the American Medical Association. So all these guys in white coats giving all this sincere advice that was all being bought and paid for by the sugar industry, by the food industry, on and on and on. That video's about that. Yeah. So that's all true. These things tend to give rise. And that's what that article item that I never get around to talking about is the question of whether Ansel Keys was sort of played by big sugar. Or was he in? Or was he really in? I I don't know. There's some evidence to suggest that he was just a pawn. He was played. He didn't know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, sorry to bring this up, but a lot of the Trump appointees are definitely in on it. Like Betsy DeVos, her family was the multi-level marketing kings, Amway. Like she owns Amway or her father did, or I'm not sure how that works, but it's all about deregulating. Yeah. You know, let let get sold what gets sold and people you need to be on your guard Stop yeah. having big government guard for you you got to figure it all out yeah and the difficulty is i've probably said it before i'll say it again is marketing is way way more sophisticated than people are just far far yeah, more sophisticated you know. and we're we're not really able to sort ourselves out for that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, the fox is in the hen house now, at least in the States, and actually to a large extent in Canada as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Bill Morneau is Minister of Finance. Yeah. Well, he's just an extremely rich person who owns big companies. Yeah. Big financial companies. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but don't worry. CPP's being invested uh, judiciously and fairly mm-hmm. without consideration for personal gain. That's anyway, good to know. Yeah, we shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. It's nice to have... Uh, it's nice to have some regulators worrying about it for us. So instead we can just think about, you know, what are we going to watch off Netflix tonight? How about them Steelers? Yes. You know, Game Changers was the name I was looking for. That's Game it. Changer. Yep. But uh, it is problematic as we go into these are golden years, as I always say, to realize that to a large extent and in many different areas of our lives, we've simply been misled, misled, right? We've been told that we should believe in stuff only to find out that that stuff has not been credible or honest, like what's good for us in terms of our health. It's just terrible, 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 The whole low fat thing is still there. Yeah. You keep seeing article, you know, references. Oh, like I was just looking at, uh, reading up on Teflon today just to see, because we use nonstick pans at home and I thought I should have another look, just see if we're killing ourselves here doing this. And maybe we're not, at least the one article I read, but the one article did say, well, the great thing about Teflon is you don't have to use near as much oil or butter. So it's clearly better for you. (laughs) Come on. Like you can't, like it's still there every day. It'll be there for 20, 30 more years. That's how long the damage lasts. Yeah. And oil's good for you, man. Like I say, in that game changer, one of the key things for me was the recognition that Uh, The food industry uses the same advertising companies 
that asbestos and tobacco and formaldehyde and a bunch of other of those clearly really super harmful products used to sow disinformation about those products. It's just when as soon as you see that, you think, oh, that's really not a good sign. Anyways, it was just a. It was Ayn Rand. She did all of this. Yeah. Yeah. You're on your own, buddy. Figure it out. Yeah. Good Spend luck. your life thinking of the angles. So just eat whole foods, boys. Whole foods, every man for himself. I'm good with that. I may be good with it. I don't know. Mm-mm. Well, I'll just keep adding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we go off list for a sec? Yeah. It's just yes. So yeah, wanted dead or alive, still enjoying that, but it doesn't come along very often anymore. So I just decided to try the rifleman for a while. Oh, Lucas Kane. Lucas Kane. Now you guys have probably seen a lot more or much more aware of the rifleman. I was than pretty, f- yeah, I was very faithful to uh, the rifleman from mm-hmm. the, my oldest brother, Sam referenced recently as a new listener had the rifleman rifle. Had the big round loop ring, the full length things. You could put caps in it too. Well, you commented on the opening to Wanted Dead or Alive. You commented on how he kind of looks oddly up. And you just see his Steve McQueen's face looking a little bit off camera. Well, rewatch the Rifleman opening. You know, the first thing that happens is the camera is centered on him walking. You can't see his face. You just see his hand and yeah. the rifle, and yeah. he just starts firing. Yeah. And I decided to count the number of times he, he fires, because I'm curious about <laughs> where you're that do guy. all the bullets go. Like, yeah. where do you... Well, how many does it hold? There's too? no magazine coming down off of it. No, like, it's all I, inside. You can hold about six, five or six bullets. Yeah, so things. I listened, and there's 13 shots. <laughs> and then... I was Googling around and this one site said, I'm just going to prove to you that there's 12 shots. And so they slowed it down in video. So now when you watch the video run, he shoots 12 times. Oh, but, but there's when 13 you listen to the sounds. Fires, there's 13 anyway. So that's all kind of interesting. And then once he's fired them all off, he, I think he keeps walking or maybe he stops, but he looks oddly up near the camera, just like yeah. wanted dead or alive. And it came a little bit after Wanted Dead or Alive or they overlapped. After. So clearly someone said, okay, let's do similar. And so he just has this menacing look at the camera. like, And the whole feel of it is like all problems are solved through guns. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Chuck Connors was a lifelong Republican, but he was reputedly a really nice guy. And he treated little Mark, whatever the actor's name was, the guy that plays his yeah. son, treated him really well. He was a major league ball player. Yeah. Yeah. He I believe was. he was a pitcher. Yeah. He was a really good base baseball player. And I think he might've played basketball as well. He's Is that right, eh? well, he was tall, not tall enough for NBA. He was six foot four, huh. but so I'm not sure. In the day that was really tall. Anyway, not quite the same quality as wanted dead or alive, but still pretty enjoyable, but too many of them. Like they made, they made so many of those that the reruns just keep flying at you. So can you name another series that Chuck Connor starred in just after the Rifleman ended? No, I cannot. Anybody? Branded. Marked as the one who ran. What can you what do? What do you do when you're branded? Well, you fight like a man. And he was the guy who had his stripes ripped off and he's drummed out of the army. And that's the opening scene is him having his insignia removed and he's having to walk out the gates of Fort, wherever it is. And I guess he's, I can't even remember what happens after that. Maybe that only lasted one season. Yeah. One or two dealing with Indians. I don't know what he was doing. You ever watch Johnny Yuma? 
No, no, I did not. Yeah, we got that in California, and I don't think it was available up here when it was on, but it would have been similar, maybe a little like 62, 63, that kind of thing. Johnny Yuma was a rebel. Oh, no, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and it might have been called The Rebel, or it might have been called Johnny Yuma. I'm not Can't sure remember. Which, Chuck Connors. I really, even though back in the day, I really disliked his son, his whiny son. Mark or whatever his name Quite was. Funny, that uh, Mark gets all nervous anytime there's a girl his age. Oh God. All of a sudden he gets all nervous. I just think, isn't that kid going to get caught, fall down a well pretty soon? Like I never liked a, him even He then. rides a horse pretty well. Yeah. And the actors, there's lots of scenes where it's clearly the actors on the horse. So they really, really did train them. Yeah. Well. They had to. That was John Wayne's big edge. He was an actual. He was really good on a horse. Yeah. Cowboy guy, like a rodeo guy, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that believe he was he could ride anyways he was a stuntman that's what it was he was a stuntman and he could ride i think all the guys in westerns were republicans <laughs> yeah because it's all about there's bad guys and the way you fix it is with guns <laughs> that's the general theme right <laughs> well isn't isn't um, oh, michael douglas a big anti-trump kind of guy i think I don't he know. would be yeah but his father kirk douglas was out of my cold dead hands, isn't? No, oh no, you're you're thinking of uh, the other guy that was in uh, Monkey Charlton movies. Heston, yeah, Charlton, Charlton. Yeah. Oh, that that's his dead hands. Well, oh, and Michael Moore went to see him. Oh, for some reason, yeah. I thought it was Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas might have been a right winger. Just back then, a lot of people were. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, all I remember about Kirk now, his last time he was kind of in the news was when he was on an award show doing push-ups with one arm and he was already like Oof, 75. That's a long like that. time ago. That was like Johnny Carson. But he was like 70 or 75. Yeah. Cause already. he's like now 105 or something. Is he still isn't he? alive? Yeah. I think he, well, maybe not. I think he might be though. No, I think we just had be. this conversation. Didn't we? Was it us or was it some other dimension? I'm also so from time to time, time when we bring up topics that I think have been on earlier episodes, I worry about it, but then I realize that our listeners are going to forget as well. So oh, we, that's, probably, we probably can just start repeating everything. That so was so we're going to save ourselves by insulting our listening audience. That's a, <laughs> I don't think that's that good a strategy, really. Well, we, what about the time that you and Mike went and uh, rode on the uh, <laughs> yeah. Honda 90? Oh, yeah. Tell that was about a, that one. That was a great night. <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe you went to Morocco one time, did you not? Oh, yeah. There's a story there. <laughs> Wow. So Kirk Douglas was born December 9th, 1916. And in this Wikipedia article, he is written about as currently existing. A centenarian, he is one of the last surviving stars of the film industry's golden age. He was born Isur Danielovich. Nice. Wow. Wow. And then someone says, look, you know what plays well is two first names. How about Kirk Douglas? <laughs> All right. And you got to so, get rid of that accent, Kurt. Yeah, you better become a Republican too, because otherwise they'll think you're a communist. That's right. Yeah, so this was written a couple of years ago because he's given as 103, and he was born in 1916, so he's 104 now. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. Uh, no, he's not 104 now, because his birthday's probably in mid-year. December 9th. Oh, yeah, so he's 103. Oh, I can't, I can never get that. But I, I can never tell do you, that right. the Wikipedia articles on someone major like him, the moment he's dead, about three minutes later, it will be updated to show that he's dead. Do you believe those are pre-written? Is there a whole little industry of pre-writing 
the dead versions of bios? Well, there's bios? no money in editing Wikipedia. You don't get paid for that. Well, I guess you can, don't you? I Ooh. guess everything's about money, isn't it, Mo? Mm-hmm. My world. It is for me, and I tell you what, it's a good thing too. Otherwise, I wouldn't spend all this time in this shed. If I wasn't getting the kind of coin we're pulling down for this, no way I'd be here. <laughs> but I suppose if you're uh, if you're a publicist for your own article, you might hire people who are a few arms lengths away. Did you know that if you're a famous person, or even do you have a Wikipedia entry? You have an IMDb entry, uh, but not Wikipedia. Not that I know of. Okay. No, it's our big chance, RJ. We can create his image. Did you know that you can't go in and edit your own Wikipedia article with new facts? They'll make you back it up with an article, right? Like a reference. Like you could, you could say, no, no, no. I, I actually had that truck repaired in whatever year in your wow. article. And someone will go on there, say, citation needed. But I'm me. Yeah. I, I actually. I'm the one who did it. Yeah. They'll go, no, no, that's not good enough. And actually, if you think about it, that makes sense. It does. People's memories are pretty poor. But if there was, well, if you were interviewed that year and said, yeah, I just got it repaired a couple months ago, then they would say that that's a good citation. Right? Well, also, you know, with the amount of disinformation available in social media now, prevalent in social media now, mm. I would say, yeah, probably the first people whose sort of testimony about who they are and what they've done that should be suspected are... The actual people themselves. Yeah, like, that's true. I think if you want to get the facts, listen to the shed dogs. Yeah, I think so. I think that's always good advice. Always. We always sound really sure of ourselves too. We, and because we always are, even when we're wildly wrong in my case. And that's one of my major strengths is to sound like I really know what I'm talking about when I really don't. It's, the people think that's easy. It's easy being me. It's not. And we are done for another full-scale barrage of whatever it is we think. What's that? Done like dinner? Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, some ground there. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people thinking thoughts about writing in. We covered some of that old nostalgia. Once again, sometimes that gets a rise out of our audience, but sometimes not. Do write us. Write us if you've got thoughts about things we should be talking about as opposed to what we do talk about. Or just try to beam those thoughts at us telepathically because we're sensitive that way. Either way you do it, make sure you're looking out for yourself and your friends until we talk to you again. Keep yourself safe and happy, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. And we're done. That's it. I could have done upcoming concerts. <laughs> Gonna go see Holy Fuck. <laughs> Holy Fuck. So is that like Got evangelical or? Three of us going. <laughs> they just like their music is just like their band name. It's just amazing all the way through. Holy fuck. All right. That's ridiculous.